Welcome back to Project 1521. I'm Sarah Harris. Today is Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Coming up on this episode, Project 1521 collaborators offer special performances of original writings inspired by Sandy Rodriguez's traditional hand-processed paintings on a mate paper from the series You Will Not Be Forgotten. We thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe so that they can listen to the previous shows. And here's a final update about the GoFundMe campaign from Project 1521 member Darren J. De Leon. This is Darren De Leon, member of Project 1521. We are quickly approaching the last two weeks of our GoFundMe campaign. We are currently at 30% of reaching our goal to publish our forthcoming collection of poetry. We would love for you to become part of our family by donating to our campaign. You can find a link inside the podcast description. For a $25 donation, we will ship you a copy anywhere in the continental United States of our publication. This podcast also marks the end of this particular series, which concludes with 10 impactful and well thought out episodes. This podcast helps define what our resistance to the 500 years since the fall of the Aztec Empire looks like. We want to thank everybody who has kindly donated to our effort, which include the newest family member and library girl, Susan. Thank you for your generous donation. Please mark your calendar for Wednesday, September 29th at 6 p.m. We will be featured on an online reading for the famous City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco. You can go to citylights.com. We want to thank you for your time and for your generous assistance in helping us reach our goal. Thank you. This is a poetry podcast rooted in the work of visual artist Sandy Rodriguez, in the legacy of the nearly five centuries old Florentine Codex, which richly visually documents the historic tribal lands, flora, fauna, life, and times of the last years of the Aztec imperial reign in Mexico. In the paintings that inspire these poems, Sandy uses 16th century techniques to re-envision the borderlands, to create portraits, from child detention centers, and to pay tribute to the Nahuatl goddesses and botanical ritual remedies that could have, perhaps should have, saved scores of migrant children from tragic deaths in U.S. Border Patrol custody in the 21st century. Like the paper made by hand, the quality of the tejido of these recordings is resolutely and uniquely uneven. Enjoy. Del corazón del cielo, from the heart of the sky. The fabulous Gloria Enedina Alvarez. She offers this by way of an introduction that her work alone, collaboratively and in community, maps the migrations and transmigrations of memory and place drawn from her family's experience of repatriation and present interior exile. Here, the concept of nepantla invokes the fragmentation of the self in that state of either or, ni de aquí, 
ni de allá, and establishes a dialogue that evolves to a fluid aquí y allá, both here and there, present, as a whole, as a person, and as a people. The images of the healer and of the children who died in the detention camps call out to the ancestors, call out to us, cara, corazón, manos, face, heart, hands. Gloria left her poem in a message on a voicemail for us, like a message in a bottle, so please listen closely. This is called New Moon Return by Gloria and Edina Alvarez. Del corazón del cielo, from the heart of the sky, afloran recuerdos. Flowering memories hablan al corazón. Talk from the heart. Canción del cielo. Songs deep inside the sky. Inspiration and being al fondo del cielo. That's why we need to reach into the earth with our words coursing through our hands so that they can return once more new but old with the strength, the knowledge, the wisdom that is witness, purpose within action, within love, colors, the vibration, the music of time, face up, cara, corazón, mano. That's what the antiguas would say. Face, art, and hand. This next poem will appear in our Project 1521 publication. It comes to us also as a message on the shores of the borderlands of the skies. This is Tiles, Scans, and Strong Feet by Darren de Leon. I slept outside last night under Perseid's shower and was awakened by balmy raindrops and ancestral tears which coated me like a seed sown into this sacred earth now rebirthed as property. My poem examines the generational relationship to the land as a giving partner to hundreds of generations as opposed to the colonized subject ruled by blonde ambition and bullet blue eyes recognized as a nation. Tile scans and strong feet. Then it started with an image of freedom and boats carrying the oppressed. Now the leaves that heal our lungs are capsuled and sweetened. Then the awakening of tired eyes as hearts are drawn towards the shore. Now we walk through deserts, gardens renamed as intrusive weeds. Then trekking, working, searching for a sip of the new elixir called Young Country. Now, the shimmering of the Quetzal's tail warns us of jeeps and infrared jails. Then, broken mirrors and faded pictures, 
scars with the silent scent of the past. Now, descriptions of a plague and burnt books written for us to stray away from extinction. Then, warm showers with Vasetto Asylum. Their exits coated with dust bowl relief and DDT. Now, in Yerbas we trust, in white tiled rooms we rust. Tile scans and strong feet. Next up, Yago S. Corda reads Imaginate, a piece that speaks to the atrocities being committed against asylum seekers to the United States. He writes that what's happening reminds him of La Noche Triste, and maybe how we should change that to Las Noches Tristes. Imaginate by Yago S. Cura. And a word to las familias, this poem does contain explicit lenguaje. Imagine making Arizona from Guatemala on foot, on thousands of feet. Imagine getting nicked by the security apparatus of a dying, belligerent country. Imagine your only solution is breach barbed wire, river borders, sea chasms, or death valleys. Imagine you save a small fortune to pay a stranger in a long line of strangers, and there's no guarantee any of them aren't charlatan czars. Imagine your parents receive video of you on the other side of some miserable, invisible line as some sort of horrific receipt. Imagine the middle of the desert, thick with theodolites from all the angles spent ingressing, spent coalescing a horizontal or vertical entry plane. Imagine the milky hulls of half-empty jugs abandoned in the scrub like cairns or hollow teeth dedicated to thirst. Imagine going from evaporated milk stars and black coffee skies to constellations of ducks and closed circuit cameras. Imagine you hoard all the flu shots, all the ridiculously small bars of soap, all the two tiny toothbrushes, all the instant coffee and creamer packets, all the jailhouse slippers and super sad-ass uniforms, all the indigent kits, all the stainless steel toilets and basins, all the toddler pods and bargain panopticons that you can sardine into a convention center. Imagine you convert a Walmart into a concentration camp a supermarket into a tribunal of sand, a presidency into a jingoistic gangland rampart ampere hellbent on mutiny. Imagine someone, somewhere, in some fake-ass fatherland boardroom, adding something to the conversation, something like an integral question, like on what aisle and at what height should we fly our federally mandated, yet shiny as fuck, defibrillators? 
These next two pieces come fresh off the press of the pages of 1521 collaborator Armine Ignadosian, who connects that question of institutionalized national brutality to the experience of her tiny, brilliant, observant self as a child whose family would soon seek asylum in this country. Another time, another place, a recognizable moment engraved in the mind of a small girl watching. This is Armine Ignadosian. 1977, Beirut, Lebanon. Dirty Armenian, the young Lebanese man scoffed, pushed me aside with the butt of his rifle. My mother, watching us play in the parking lot below our apartment complex, ran over, glared with precision at the bottle in the young man's hand, her face the color of a pomegranate. My mother, who never cursed, who bent her neck to father's profanity, who cooked, cleaned, kept quiet. Mother pointed a finger at the young man, should we call him a soldier, and said, I know your mother, then called him a cucumber in Turkish. This new woman in front of me, new face, new eyes, even her neck a little longer now, grown an inch or two in a moment. That night, my mother made dinner, humming to herself, neck bowed into the green onions and parsley, the mundane task of feeding her family. In our city of civil war, Beirut broke apart, and we, as always, were inconvenient in the way. A city like that one turns everyone into razor blades. I'm going to add one more poem, very short. Why I Am Resourceful, Eintab Turkey, 1915. Crouched behind a wagon, my great-grandmother, only 12, smells benzene, burning hair, shouts of hungry men, lust in their curses. Yeranuhi, which means wish, smears charcoal on her pretty face like a dutiful daughter, watches as her mother hides her younger brother, rolling him gently into a small carpet. I'm Sarah Harris. You're listening to Project 1521's podcast. It's our final episode, episode number 10. And I would like to offer you this as a response to Armine's voice and to Sandy's mapping of the lay of the lands of today and tomorrow. This is called Unconditional Love. I sent it in a voicemail message to my daughter. Hi, Minerva. This is a poem that I wrote for you and the land and tomorrow and all the girls of tomorrow. Unconditional love. What, if not the land, receiving the hand of a child, stumbling in her plight? What, if not the land, rained on for years by tears, 
washing over invisible stains of futures in flight. What if not the land holding us under a sun so furious as the solstice of summer singes all plans? What if not the land commands our unconditional love? What if a morning dove lands in a tree where it ought not to be and the land would stand up raising her hands toward the sky asking, why has it taken you so long? What if the land is dying to thrive? What if the land will always survive? Our final poem is an interwoven story from Project 1521 co-founder Adolfo Guzman Lopez. This piece is called Almost Done. The book's almost done. We can leave this place. The book will no longer keep us here. We've been sequestered in this tesontle box for months, for a year. Why is this priest of conquest so interested in the story of what life was like before his countrymen destroyed it? I wasn't here. Did he give us that speech, the one about different motives, about him being different from the other Spaniards? I wasn't here. I got a text from an amiga I used to have lunch with at Grand Central Market. She'd walk from her court job, I'd walk through the third street tunnel or over the hill. We were both on a Zoom dance party last night, the one organized by the Chicana Studies professor who used to be a performance artist and the DJ who built sets for the movies and organized fundraisers for Central American refugees. We ran out of dyes while we were sequestered in the building. Black ink was the only thing left for us to draw with. No more blue, yellow, green. It was one of our jobs to go outside and bring water and food twice a week. Dried pork, calabazas, tortillas. I miss the ant eggs they used to bring from near Tlaxcala. We met for lunch. Comadreamos. I was married. She was not. We spoke the same two languages growing up before we moved here and learned this one. She spoke the birth language in a different, better way. She interpreted in the courtroom. She had to know lots of technical terms. The colonizer's language was at war with my birth language. When the priest says we are free to go, that we are no longer needed, that our task is done and maybe hopefully thanks us. Will it be a sunny day? Will it be in the morning when we step out of the canoe onto the dirt path to our mother's home? Will our mother be there? Or will our cousin, the caretaker of the home, be there waiting to account for all those taken by the plague and wish us well as he leaves to take care of his own family? I was looking at the people on the Zoom squares. Some I know, some I don't. In quarantine, we've moved dance parties to the computer screen. People were dancing in their living rooms, sitting on their beds. A mother and an 11-year-old daughter, a 38-year-old woman, a 51-year-old woman, 
mostly women. One, Juanita, used to invite me to dinners at her house, one of those stately homes, stately on the inside, drab, stuccoed on the outside. Three floors, 100 years old, a home south of downtown. 100 years old isn't as old as it used to be. The book is a guide, a map, a space of past, present, and future. We use the plants our grandfathers and grandmothers said to use to make greens and yellows, the insects to dry and grind and make into reds. The book can't build a new path for us once we leave the building. Work waits for us when we step out of this volcanic stone building. If we tried years from now, the priests wouldn't let us in, wouldn't feed us, or maybe they would. The water drawer says most of his family has been taken to an hacienda in the valley to the south, and he has no news. Does he join them to certain bondage there, or does he stay here to find any freedom? any hope. I loved having lunches with her. I wasn't too good at comadrear, but I tried. I loved looking into women's eyes on the benches at Grand Central Market. I would have lunch with a woman at Grand Central, a falafel, a pollo asado burrito, once a $15 hamburger. We both raised and lowered our hands and arms with the food, in our hands, like out-of-sync oil wells in Signal Hill. One woman spoke only one language. I loved eating with her the most. She worked in one of those converted old bank buildings. I'd walk behind her to see how the men looked at her as she made her way down the aisles. The eyes would start at the top and move down. Some eyes were fixed on her face. I think the word we've written, the words and images we've written, will be seen by the king, their king. Why would he want to know about the people he nearly destroyed? And what will happen after he reads the book, if he reads it at all? Will it sit in the corner of the sky with all the omens that came before destruction? Will it be buried below rubble like our moon, movement, and rain stones? Thank you for being in this building with me, for keeping me company, for making me laugh, for putting a hand on my shoulder when I cried, for holding my hand, for steadying my hand as I drew the column of fire and the cloud that moves through the desert of pain with our people. If we see each other on the channels, canoes filled with flowers, let's be sure to stop and give each other a flower we do not have. We thank you for following Project 1521. Some of the pieces you heard today will appear in the forthcoming publication. We're putting the finishing touches on it, and we could still use some more support. So if you would go to the GoFundMe link on this podcast page description and help us reach our goal, 
we would really appreciate that. Thank you for listening. This is the final episode of Project 1521's podcast. I'm Sarah Harris. Thank you so much. Muchísimas gracias.